good to be back this evening. I'm glad to see at least some of you all returned. We're not going to throw stones at those who didn't, but we kind of are. Just kidding. Okay, so, I'm, of course, I think you guys know that I'm Ben. I get the privilege of leading worship pretty much every Sunday morning, and it's been a real pleasure to call you all my church family. Last time I got to preach from here, I was like definitely way more nervous. I'm still pretty nervous. Like I probably should have ate something because I'm kind of like fidgety up here. So, so some ground rules, I guess, before we get into this. Like I promise, and I want you to listen close. If you don't hear anything else tonight, just because I move a little bit, I'm not going to be spazzing up here. But, but just because I move a little bit, I promise my theology is sound, and I'm Baptist through and through. Um, Bible first, Baptist second, but um, of course, I promise you, it's nothing of the charismatic sort. Uh, I just get excited, you know, and I have definitely in the past done my absolute best to tone down my personality, and um, not that I'm just really this big personality, but uh, I do, I am pretty goofy, and I'll, I think anyone who's been around me can attest to that, um, and so, I think I come from a good spot trying to just get out of the way of the Word, because that's my intention. I don't want you to remember who I am, because the fact is, is that in a hundred, maybe a hundred and fifty years, I'll be gone and I'll be forgotten, but the Word of God will continue to stand. And so, that's what's important. And so, um, hopefully I just get out of the way of the Word and let it impact your hearts and um, also your minds, and that you would be transformed by this gospel. So, before we get started, let's pray, and we'll get into the book of Galatians. I'm going to just pick up where Clay left off. Father, thank you for, for this church. I thank you that I get the privilege to bring your word, and I get to be a part in serving here week in and week out. I thank you for our faithful members. Lord, I pray that this word would impact hearts and wreck lives for the better, Father, that we would die to ourselves daily and live for you and live with a a purpose um, that is only centered on Christ, Father. Um, Church, I'm going to ask you to just pray for me, uh, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with that. Uh, that I would just be clear speech and everything would go smooth tonight. And now if you'll pray for yourself that you're ready to receive, that you'll be free of distractions. Well, Father, we love you. We praise your name. May you be glorified by your word in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so this morning, Clay did an awesome job of telling you about Paul and Paul's defense of the gospel, that there's no other gospel apart from the one that he is proclaiming. And he talked about a group called the Judaizers, which were kind of the religious elite in the Galatian church. And fun fact... There wasn't just one singular church of Galatia, but rather it was these churches in a region. 
And so it's the only epistle that's written specifically to a region rather than just one church specifically. So whenever you need that one in Bible trivia, there it is. Uh, And so this group, the Judaizers, had perverted the gospel and much like the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, is centered around the foundation of the gospel. That is justification by faith. And, And of course, Earlier this morning, whenever I read verses from Romans, it, we used the word justified and, and simply meaning to be made right. right. So we are made right by our faith in Christ Jesus. Right? And so the Judaizers did not agree with that because who doesn't like to be in control? Who doesn't like power? And uh, they manipulated the word. In fact, whenever what they are teaching wasn't actually the Word of God. It was the interpretation of the Word of God. And so think of it as us taking commentaries or like a Sunday school book of someone's opinion and making that on the same level as the Word of God. That's a big no-no. We don't do that. (laughs) So they were doing that and putting in aspects of the Gospel that simply aren't there, that aren't present for us to Receive salvation. And one of those, the main topic I would say of Galatians uh, that he was really struggling with was uh, with circumcision. And um, the Judaizers saying, well, yeah, you might say that you love Jesus and you might believe the right things, but you're not a Christian unless you're circumcised. And of course, we know from the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, uh, that they had decided, this council had decided, that that wasn't the case, that in fact, we are saved and we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Right? So, so foundational stuff. And so first things first in this book, Paul defends the gospel. And so tonight, what I'll be preaching on will be more of Paul defending himself and defending his uh, being as an apostle. Okay, so an apostle being a witness to Christ Jesus and a follower thereof. So, I'm going to start in... Let's just start in verse 11 of chapter 1. So, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. All right, let's pause there, everyone. Let's look up. Because we're going to keep reading, but I just want you to have a moment to like, like gulp, okay? Like we've we've received that, we know what that says, and we're going to move on. I just don't want me to keep reading and my monotone cause you to be like, huh? 
That lasagna later is going to be really good whenever I have it, right? So let's stay on track and pick back up in verse 15, okay? But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. All right, let's check back. Everyone good? We're still following good. Hey, I know you're thinking like, Ben, of course, we like sit through preaching a lot. Okay, but I just want to just want to make sure everyone's having a good time and we're enjoying God's word to the fullest and not really just drifting off in thought because I have that tendency. Okay, so verse 18. Paul's going to tell us a little bit about where he's been, what he did whenever he initially converted after the road to Damascus. So then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So much content here. And so we're going to try to keep it as brief as I can. Um, I'm not going to make the classic joke of you'll get out of here by 8.30. Okay, but we'll get you out of here, I promise. Just hold on. Uh, But, man, what a ton of scripture to dissect. And I wanted to just get an overview overview before I was like breaking stuff down. So now we're going to go back through that passage and kind of expand and expound on God's word. And so, of course, I've got some points, and we're just going to draw them from Scripture, okay? And so, let's read, let's read again from verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. So, Judaism is not, is not, it's not Christianity, simply put. Of course it's not, because it's Judaism. Uh, but uh, remember what I said earlier about the Judaizers taking God's word and pulling what they wanted from it and kind of just making these traditions and making these things that were not necessarily in God's word, but they were like, well, it's not a stretch to get to this point. And so that's what Paul's referencing uh, whenever he says, so of course... There is some scripture memory there because he was very well studied. He was one of the best Pharisees, if that's a thing. And um, anyway, so that's what Paul's talking about whenever he says Judaism. Uh, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. So my first question tonight that we're going to to answer with Scripture, 
and reflect and apply to our life is what are you zealous for? So Paul, in this case, was extremely zealous to upkeep these rules and these regulations and, and all these things that came along with Judaism. He was extremely zealous for that. What are you extremely zealous for? You know, it makes me think, it makes me think of, of like Saturday mornings in the month of September. Whenever you, you can't hardly go to sleep the night before because you're so excited about the next day. And you wake up early and you drive three hours and you set up a tent and, and you're, you're with all these other people who are dressed like you and, and acting like you. And sure enough, you're grilling burgers and walking past strangers who are wearing the similar gear and, and you're saying, you're treating them like you've known them your whole life. Um, and then finally... The time comes where they open the gate and the people flood in. Thousands upon thousands of people pour into a stadium. And people celebrate whenever they see what's happening and what's going on and the excitement. And they're on the edge of their seat. They can't sit in their seat. They're so excited. And, and you're... You're high-fiving strangers whenever things are going your way and you're empathizing with others whenever they're not going your way. And by the end of it, whenever your team finally wins, you celebrate and you rejoice with strangers in the streets and you drive home satisfied. That picture compared to the picture of a Sunday morning where you begrudgingly roll over after hitting snooze four times, whenever you stomp to the bathroom to prepare to look presentable to people that you don't really care about, people, and you're, you're praying to this God that you believe in, that people don't try to talk to you or interact and get involved in your life. And then finally you show up to this gathering place and there's empty pews, and you, you mouth along to some, to some songs. You might read them. You might, but you're just mouthing along, going through the motions, and, and your mind's everywhere but there. And then finally, the man stands up behind a podium, and you have to listen to him talk for 30 minutes, and your mind's everywhere else, and you're scrolling through your phone, and you're making doodles and you're writing notes or whatever you're doing and you're looking forward to the end you're waiting for the, the clock to strike noon so you can get out of there and hopefully not talk to a single person right so which which one of those paints a more vivid picture of zeal which one is more zealous right that's what we're that's what we're talking about in America, right? We're whenever we say that we're zealous for something, are you boomer sooner zealous for it, right? I mean, hey, 
I'm just the mailman, you know, like don't, I'm just saying like what's, what is zeal? Because I'm just as guilty as anyone else to go through the motions at times, right? We can't always be 100%, but that shouldn't be an excuse for us to not look forward to the assembly of believers. And so what are we zealous for, church? Let's, let's keep going, because <laughs> I could like drop a pen in here. So, you can loosen back up. It's all right. I'm good. You're good. All right, so we're going to pick up in verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So we're going to try to draw a few questions from here. Um, but first, I'm not just skimming over the first part of verse 15. I'm just going to let God's word be God's word and impact your heart the way that it does. Because I, in all of my 23 years of, of wisdom here, I know it's hard to believe that I don't understand the aspects of election. I don't understand the full implications of what Paul is saying there. I just know what God's word says. And so we're going to leave that be. I'm not going to try to push any doctrine or anything on you. I'm just going to let that be. Uh, But my question from this verse is God's grace evident in your everyday life. So not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesdays, because we know that throughout Scripture, it's evident that we're not called to just gather for a couple days a week, but rather we're supposed to be a unified body daily and we're supposed to die to ourselves daily and live for Christ daily. So is God's grace evident in your everyday life? In what ways can it be evident? Right? Because if we spend, let's see, how many? So Sunday school and service, was that, like two hours, and then Sunday night, and then Wednesday night, so I was like around four, we'll say four to six hours a week where you're like potentially with believers and you're in the Word. And how many hours do you work a week? Forty at least. Some of y'all probably more. Uh, so so what I mean by is the is God's grace evident in your everyday life? Do your co-workers know that you're a believer in Jesus? Because if not, that's a red flag. Like that's... Like, if they can't tell that you're a believer in Jesus, and I'm not saying, I know there's, like, legal reasons that you can't just walk up to, like, your co-workers and be like, hey, like, I'm a believer and you should be a believer too, right? I know we have religious freedoms, and I'm thankful for those religious freedoms, but are you the first one to volunteer for, for something to help serve or help someone else out, maybe lighten their workload? Or are you the first to kind of push it away and, and first one to cut out early? Right? So, so what ways is God's grace evident in your everyday life? How do you treat your kids? How do you treat your mom and dad if you have parents still? Um, me, I still have parents. They're here, and I'm glad they're here. But, uh, but how do I treat them? Like, I can promise you my parents can attest that I haven't always been perfect at treating them the best. And so I know it's hard to believe whenever you're a teenager, sometimes it just works out that way. But is God's grace evident in your everyday life uh, is the question that, that we want to ask ourselves and apply. The last part of verse seven, 
sorry, the last part of verse 16. Um, it says, I did not immediately consult with anyone. And I was iffy about this point, okay? But I think, I think it's something that's relevant, or I, I don't think that I would continue to come back to it. Um, but do we seek silence and solitude as believers? So let's think about all the different ways that we are entertained in this information age. How glorious it is that we have Google.com, right? How, how, and I'm, I'm not being sarcastic there. Like, seriously, I don't know where I would be without Google. Like, I don't know life before that. I don't know, like, having to go to sleep without knowing information of, like, whenever you think of a song, but you don't know the words to it. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, you're trying to think of an actor's name and you just can't come up with it. Google. So, but anyway, in this information age... Do we take time to be apart from technology? And not just technology, but sometimes just step away from others and maybe go for a walk and be alone with the Lord. Right? So Paul, as, as we read earlier, he, he took three years off. Right? And that doesn't mean he was like, three years, I'm just going like, to be a monk. Like, I'm just going to isolate myself and take a vow of silence. Uh, but while he was in Arabia, he was still ministering to others. Uh, but, but he didn't immediately just jump right in to, to the whole shebang, right? The whole of what God has prepared for him. And so, not only personally do we seek silence and solitude, but whenever we have new members join, are we quick to just plug them in somewhere and say, alright, this is your job and this is your role. Like, yes, they should be serving, but first we need to be leading them in love and give them opportunities for growth. And not just new believers or new members opportunities for growth, but older members too. We've got to continue to seek growth, right? You don't reach a point where you're like as holy as you can be on earth, right? We're in this process called sanctification where we continue to look more like Jesus every day. That's the point. If it was meant for us to just have eternal life whenever we died, then why wouldn't God just kill us immediately, right? I mean, seriously, that's a, that's a serious question of, like, eternal life begins the day that you believe in Jesus. There on, not whenever you die. It just continues on. So, do we seek silence and solitude? Or are, we seeking, um, are we seeking alone time with the Lord intentionally? Once again, I'm preaching it myself here because you're talking to someone that I just looked at my screen report for this week and I'm ashamed that my phone was like, at least in this mode where it was lit up and open, you're, you, you won't believe this, like six hours and 20 minutes, right? That's insane. That's insane that I spend at least six hours a day on this. Given there's some work, there's some communication, but are you kidding me? Can you imagine if I spent that time in the Word? Can you imagine if I spent that time leading others to Christ? And I know that's not realistic to just walk out in the street and be like, hey, you know Jesus, hey, you know Jesus. Like, that's not practical. And that's not as worthwhile as investing in people long term. That's why we're in the dilemma we are in right now as the American church is because, like, 
It's hard to invest in other people's lives and be serious about it. But that's what we're called to. That's the glory of the gospel. The glory of the gospel isn't for you to make some decision, walk down an aisle, and then have an insurance policy to cash in whenever you die someday. But we're called to eternal life because it's actually life. There's actually life living for Jesus. There's no life living apart from Jesus. So, with all that said, what ways can we seek silence and solitude better? Right? I can get up earlier and I can study the Word and I can do things like that, um, but, but man, we're, we have 24 hours a day. We can't increase that. We can just be more productive in the time that we have. So I encourage you all this week to look for opportunities to really and truly if you're able, go for a walk. Just go for a walk, no music, like nothing. Just you and the Lord. And even if it's not even you talking to the Lord, just observing His creation. Right? We're almost in springtime. We're kind of in springtime because those gross-smelling trees are blooming right now. And so, like... What better time to decide, like, okay, I'm going to start making this a little more routine to just get alone. Just get alone. And and just seek the Father. So, let's go on to verse 18. Still in Galatians chapter 1. And once again, Paul's defending his apostleship. And we'll expound more on that in just a moment. So, Verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Let's stop there for a moment. So, uh, Paul's emphasis in verse 20, mine's got it in parentheses. I didn't mention this. I'm reading out of ESV, English Standard Version. I, I just think it's, it's accurate and it's easy for me to understand. So, in verse 20, mine has parentheses. Everyone else got parentheses? Yeah, good. So, it says, in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. That's probably because Paul was directly accused of being a liar uh, is not because we don't really see that. We just kind of accept everything else that he says is truth, right? But um, the reason he's doing that is because we've got to remember through the context of this is that um, he's writing a letter to these group of churches that have had different rumors and stuff going on about Paul and about the gospel that he preaches. And so um, scholars pretty much all agree that that's just included because it's a direct response to a direct accusation. So, anyway, we get a little glimpse of where what Paul did after the road to Damascus, after that whole Jesus exchange, right? When Saul to Paul. Um, and you can read more about that in Acts chapter 9. I encourage you to do that um, if you need more context. But the way it reads, it, it says, uh, after many days in chapter 9, uh, which I kind of like. 
I was like, well, that's kind of vague, you know. And so it's, it's nice to know that he specifies that it's after three years uh, that he went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas or Peter and remained with him 15 days. So he's kind of just like telling us, this is how long I waited before I was like, okay, I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. So our, my question from this, um, and in those three years, of course, Paul was seeking growth and ministering in Arabia, like I had mentioned. And my question for this point, so how are you seeking growth in the knowledge and truth of God's word? Do you have a plan? Do you rely just on church to supply that? Because I can promise you, just like if you only ate two meals a week, like actual meals, it's the same way with God's word. If you're not feasting on it daily, don't expect any growth. You're going to be malnourished, right? So, so how are you seeking growth in knowledge and truth of God's word? And just reflect upon that and think of what ways could you improve that. So, so the point of scripture isn't. I mean, of course, it's standalone. It's holy. It's perfect. Uh, the point of Scripture isn't for us to read and say, well, that's good. But the point is it for us, for us to be impacted by God's Word. And there should be change where there's impact. So, so how are you seeking growth? And if you already are seeking growth, and like, this is the best way possible. There's no other way to improve it. I've got my routine. Well, what ways can you improve it? Because... Like I mentioned earlier, we're not going to obtain earthly perfection. Is there certain things that you're not well versed in? And if you feel so well equipped, then go talk to people about Jesus. Go talk to um, people in the community. Uh, it's not that hard to go into a grocery store. And like I said earlier, I'm not saying it's the most effective way. I think the most effective way is meaningful relationships with others where they can actually see the impact of Christ in your life and you're not just some person coming up to them as a complete stranger and say, hey, you should trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but I don't know any of the trials that you're going through right now. Right? Raise the hands on this one. How many people take advice from strangers in settings like the grocery store? Exactly. So... We want to be as effective as we can and the most effective. Yeah, David. So we <laughs> to be the most effective, we're going to have to like actually invest in one another the way the early church did and, and rely on one another in that way. I promise I've got one point left. So we're good. Time flew up here way better than last time. I know I didn't give you all an evaluation form, but if you weren't here last time, don't listen to it online. Like just don't. Save yourself the trouble. So, anyway. Marching on. Verse 23. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Finally, the last point for tonight. Is does the gospel align with the life you live? Right? So we know that's the case implicitly by the way this is written that the gospel was certainly true in Paul's life, or these people would have not trusted 
that he wasn't just doing this kind of, like, you know, espionage. That's the word I was looking for. Like, he's a spy for for the Pharisees. or And, you know, like, there had to be an actual change in his life. There had to be a change in his demeanor and everything uh, that he was about. Or else it would we wouldn't have... I hate to say we wouldn't have what we have. Things would have definitely been different, right? So the gospel actually impacted Paul's life where he lived differently. And so um, for teachers, does the gospel align with what we teach, right? Do, do we align our lives with the gospel? That's, and so in that, God is glorified whenever we are actually living lives that are set apart, by His grace, whenever we are seeking His holiness, whenever we are are trusting in Him to sanctify us and trusting in one another and promoting unity, not, um, as, as Paul goes on to say um, in the Fruits of the Spirit in chapter 5 of Galatians, uh, just all these things that are actual marks of believers, are we to reflect in that? Right? And so that's got to be an individual evaluation. I can't, I can't make that call for you. It won't be nearly as effective. Because if I was running around pulling planks out of your eyes, then like, that would only hurt your feelings and would only discourage you. Um, that's something you've got you've to look to on yourself. And you've got to, to see if you're above reproach, if, if your life aligns with the gospel. So... To recap, if you were taking notes, kind of just an overview of the second part of Galatians 1, uh, that Paul is defending his apostleship in this text. And he talks about his former life, and we ask the question of what are we zealous for? Paul was zealous of Judaism and advancing in the ranks. What are we zealous for? And second, we, we talked about God's grace and and how He has set us apart and revealed His Son to us uh, that we would preach among the nations and we would take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And we ask the question, is God's grace evident in our everyday life? <clears throat> and, and whenever we look in verses uh, 17 through 19, we understand all that Paul did to be alone with the Lord and spend time intentionally alone with the Lord, three years even, um, are we seeking that silence and solitude? And, and we know that by Paul's interactions with the Lord and with his growth and his devotion uh, for the knowledge and the truth, uh, that he had to be seeking growth. And so what ways are we see, seeking growth? and knowledge and truth of God's Word. And finally, whenever we read God's Word and we understand what the Gospel is, that God created us, and He created man in His image, but by man's choice, by the serpent's temptation, sin entered the world, which is separation from God. That He had to become flesh in Christ Jesus, 100% man, 100% God come in the flesh, live and fulfill the law 
defeat death once and for all to become our substitute and our sacrifice. And, and once we understand that truth, that that calls for a response. And that in that response, the final question is, do, does the gospel that you live align with the Bible? With what the true gospel is? With the gospel that Paul so fervently defended in the first part of this chapter? And so, I'm going to ask you all to stand. Um, we're going to have a hymn. And I want you to just take time to reflect in this, in this time of silence. I want you to just be praying and, um, and just continue to ask yourself these questions this week and look for ways to walk in love this week. Brother Rod?